It's a cause of offense. But please don't value your friendship with a Jewish person more than you value that Jewish person being introduced to their Messiah. I thank God for the person who, while in the military, risked his friendship with me in order to introduce me to my Messiah. I could have told him, that's it, leave me alone. I have finished with you. Our relationship is over. I think he would have grieved over that. It would have saddened and disappointed him, but he risked it because he knew if he really wanted to bless me as a Jewish person, he must tell me about my sin and about the solution to sin obtained for us on the cross by the Lord Jesus Christ. I think the most horrible form of anti-Semitism did not take place in the Holocaust or even now in our modern day. The most horrible form of anti-Semitism is to withhold the gospel from Jews because then you destine us to a Christless eternity. You say, so tell them. Uh, Don't be reluctant. Please don't. Some people today say, however, you don't have to tell the Jews about Jesus because the Jews are saved in a different way. These are people who hold to what's called the double or dual covenant theory. It's really increasing in popularity today. Whole denominations in our day have declared their belief in the dual covenant theory. They usually mainline liberal denominations that we are not a part, and this is one of the reasons we're not. But they would say under the dual covenant that Gentiles are saved through Jesus, uh, a covenant relationship with Jesus, but Jews are saved under the Abrahamic and then Mosaic covenant of the old system. And therefore, you don't even have to offend a Jew by speaking to he or she about Jesus and the cross because they're saved in a different way than you. I wish that was true, you say. But it isn't. How do I know this? Well, because the Jewish Messiah himself said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man, that means no Jewish man, no Gentile man, comes to the Father but by me. You see that one verse in John's gospel lays to rest any temptation we might have to embrace the dual covenant theory. Some do it, you see, because they value their friendship with Jewish people so much and they respect Jewish tradition and history so much, and they are so enamored by Jewish ways and customs and even zeal for God so much, they can't imagine that they're lost apart from Jesus, and so they withhold it. A very popular evangelist, pastor, author in our day, yes, I'll tell you his name if you want me to know, you want to know later, but I don't want to do it now. I'm trying to clean up my act. Uh, let me just say, comes dangerously close to valuing his friendship with the rabbis more than he does introducing them to Rabbi Jesus. So that is no help to us. You see, can you understand this statement? We Jews need friends, but not that much. So if you want to be friends as an end in itself, thanks, but eh. But if you want to use your friendship as a means to introducing us to our own Messiah, ah, that's good. But don't just start short of friendship for anybody. That's not good enough. Also, I think of a famous Jewish rabbi, Rabbi Shaul, who came to be Paul of Tarsus, who made this quite remarkable statement in Romans chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Brethren, 
says he. My heart's desire and my prayer to God for them. He's speaking to his brethren about them. The brethren are his brethren in Christ. Now, who are the them? The them are, are other uh, Jews. My prayer to God for them is for their salvation. Why would he pray that if they were saved under the Abrahamic covenant? If they're already saved, why is he saying this? For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God. Sure they do, but not in accordance with knowledge. You see, it's a misinformed religiosity based on works righteousness in the efforts of man. If it isn't the merits of the only righteous one who fulfilled the law, we're lost. I don't care how beautiful is the liturgy and the singing and the synagogue observance. It's the beautiful side of evil. It's Satan's religion. Anything that's an alternative to what Christ did on the cross emanates from the evil one. So if the dual covenant theory is true, why would Paul himself a Jew? Why did he say what he did in this passage before you? So if you want to bless the Jews, give them their Messiah by telling them and secondly by showing them. You know the expression of pictures worth a thousand words? One Christian living under the lordship of Jesus Christ is worth a thousand sermons. Unsaved people are looking for authentic Christianity around here. We call it being living proof of a loving God to a watching, unsaved Jewish and Gentile world. One Christian ordering his or her affairs under the lordship of Christ presents such an attractive lifestyle. You have a life that demands a question. So don't just tell them, show them, live consistently with what you claim to believe. They'll want what you have. This is not my plan, it's God's. Romans chapter 11, verse 11. Listen, I say then, says Paul, they didn't stumble, the Jews, they surely stumbled. They didn't stumble so as to fall, did they? Next week, Lord willing, we'll talk to you about those who say the Jews have stumbled so as to fall, meaning replacement theology, meaning God's through with the Jews. I told you how horrible that is, not because the Jews don't deserve it, but it would be a terrible uh, reflection on the character of God. You see, he's faithful, though Jews are unfaithful. He's faithful, though we be unfaithful. So he says, Paul, I say they didn't stumble so as to fall, did they? May it never be. But by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles. So you have us to thank for you being saved. We sinned, and only a sovereign God could use such a horrible thing for good. By our transgression, the gospel now went forth to Gentile nations. And so it says, this has come to you. Why? To make them jealous. Do you mind me making a dogmatic statement? You got saved to make my people jealous. I didn't say that. The apostle did right there. You're kind of wondering why you're saved. You're saved because you needed to be. You're saved because God loved you. You're saved to make unsaved Jewish people jealous. I thank God for the person who lived in the military, uh, a consistent Christian life before me, and, 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 and compelled me to ask him one day, Mark, his name was, what makes you tick? That's how I put it. And then he told me about good news through Jesus, my own Messiah. His lifestyle aroused me to jealousy. By the word, way, you, you see the phrase there in Romans 11, 11, to make them jealous? It's one word in Greek, parazalao. Para, like parallel, 
two lines parallel alongside one another. And then the second word, zelao, kind of like zeal. So here's the deal. It's a wonderful word. It means Gentile believers are to come alongside Jewish friends, doctors, associates, come alongside and make them zealous, make them burn, make them red hot, make them seethe with envy for who you have in your life. That's what it means. I must tell you, that's your commission. The church has moved past it and has neglected its commission. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, says Paul. It is the power of God for salvation to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Many churches have turned their back on unsaved Jews now. Don't do it. Don't do it. Arouse my people to jealousy. So give them their Messiah by telling them, by showing them, and by loving them. Acts of charity, mercy, and assistance are well received by any people group. Acts of kindness, nobody refuses them. They demonstrate sincere love. Keep it up if that's what you're doing. But don't stop there. There are some well-known personages who would have you invest your money in building orphanages in Israel, hospitals, or bringing persecuted Jews to the Holy Land from countries in which they're being taken advantage of. But they want you to stop with those acts of mercy. And what do you have? You have a persecuted, unsaved Russian Jew brought to Israel, and now he's a persecuted, unsaved Israeli Jew. Big deal. There is an organization. You get mailings from this organization. Many of you show it to me. It's headed by a rabbi, very attractive, tall, dark, and handsome, kind of a guy, a musician and likable and so on and so forth. And he's getting you to cease supporting great commission efforts in a subtle way. He's appealing to your good heart and your sense of mercy and concern. And so you're bringing Jews from around the world to Israel. But then he'll tell you, if you want to retain your friendship with me, stop evangelizing my people. I went to seminary. My seminary invited that rabbi to come speak in the chapel. They didn't invite me. They invite this guy. He speaks. Now the student raises his hand during the question and answer time. Rabbi, if a Jew believes in Jesus, does he remain a Jew? That's the question. Rabbi's answer. No. The seminary paid to have a guy come to speak who has invalidated the relevance of the gospel message to all people. My tuition paid for that. The seminary had a dialogue session with this rabbi and other Jews, Jewish-Christian dialogue. I'm not in favor of it. Tell you why. Guys like me ought to be the first ones invited. Why not? I'm in both camps. I'm a Jew. I'm a Christian. We ought to be invited. Never are we invited to dialogue. You know what it's like? It's kind of like we're adopted. And uh, the parents kind of love us. But then they say, you know, I really love you, but we're having a special guest for dinner tonight. And just to remove any possibility of an awkward and embarrassing moment, could you stay in your room until he leaves? That's what it's like. 
You know what your responsibility as a Gentile believer is? First, to take care of the members of the household of the faith. That's me. I'm a Jewish believer. Do not support someone who has invalidated the legitimacy of my relationship with Jesus Christ. Rabbi Eckstein is his name. Okay, I can't hold it in any longer. He's on every Christian TV station. He speaks in every seminary. He heads up the international something of Christians and Jews. Baloney. I know what he does. I was with a group called Jews for Jesus once. I was scheduled to do a Passover demonstration in a church years ago in Illinois. A day before I was to go there, the pastor called me and said, Stuart, I feel a little ashamed, but I want to cancel uh, your presentation. I said, no, that's fine. Can I ask you why? He said, yeah, I got a call from that guy who said, Pastor, you tell us you love us, but how can you love us if you don't know how we hurt? We hurt when you bring people in masquerading as Jews, deceiving our people into thinking you can believe in Jesus and still be Jewish. And that pastor, shame on him, canceled me out. Don't love my people by building orphanages. This guy on TV, Hagee. All right, I'm not, I, I don't have any control. He interviews a rabbi uh, to get you to support uh, the rabbi's orphanage where the kids there are going to be taught salvation through the law of Moses. He will destine them to an eternity in hell. I'm not giving a dime to it. Don't you do it. That's not an act of love. And I'll tell you what those rabbis say. If you want to remain friends with us, cease your efforts to convert us. Oh, I thank God for our convention. Our denomination, say what you will, made a recommitment to Jewish evangelism a few years ago. And, of course, the media roasted us like crazy. We're not targeting Jewish people. We just don't want to leave them out from the gospel. There's a big, big difference. So, folks, be very, very careful. Now... But don't you want to show love and acts of charity to Jewish people? Of course. So I'm going to introduce you uh, to sources of uh, support and affiliation, if you'd like, that do both. Bring Jews to uh, Israel. Take care of Russian Jews in Brooklyn, where I'm from. I know about these groups. But at the same time, look for an opportunity to win them to Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah. So I want to... Um, Look, this is like a website day. Our church, your church, our church, thank God, supports the first two. So you must know this. When you give to the general budget, when I give to the general budget, a portion of it goes to support our missions efforts. And then a, a portion of the missions budget goes to organizations like this, which is why, if you ask me, you have to support the local church first. First, our financial decision makers look at the budget. We're going through that procedure now, and they make good decisions, you know. I'm just so thrilled that, that they do. We have a lot of wise and godly people. Our missions people make decisions and it has subject to approval of our church where it's disseminated. So, so when we make our offering, and by the way, you can make it online now, right? You know how to do it? 
it goes to missions groups like, like this. So I just want to tell you about them. If you go to these websites, you'll get what we call Yiddishkeit. You'll find out about Jews. Some of you are interested. I want more information on the holidays. I want to know about Jewish culture and traditions. I, these are healthy sources. Some of them are going to get you so excited about Jewish stuff. You'll want to become Jewish. Why do you want to do something like that? Oh, I could tell you the aggravation it'll cause you. <laughs> but if you want to know biblical roots of the faith and so on, sure, good sites. So the first one, again, there's the mysterious three W's, www.chosenpeople.com. I'll tell you how I know about them. One of their missionaries led my father to the Lord years ago. His name is, was Eliezer Erbach. He visited my father. I got a phone call. I was in the military. Eliezer said, Stuart, I want to put your father on. He has something to tell you. Um, my father said, Butch. That's what he called me. I don't know where I got Stuart. Butch, this is Dad. Dad, how you doing? I'm doing good. I did it. I knew what he did, but I wanted to make him squirm. You did what, Dad? I accepted Jesus as my Messiah. This is my alcoholic, compulsive, gambling, uh, chain-smoking dad. I know what that organization does. Theologically sound. They hold to our doctrinal statement. Uh, the next one, www.jewsforjesus.org. I know this organization. They helped me through seminary. I didn't have any money. And so they got me through seminary and gave me the opportunity of serving with them in their Chicago branch. Lord willing, the executive director of Jews for Jesus will be with us in November. But we happen to have tonight a volunteer with Jews for Jesus. Diana Kelso, could I embarrass you and ask you to just stand? Would you just say hello to Diana? This is Diana. Thank you so much. And Diana is a Gentile believer with a heart for Jewish people, and so she is helping uh, to further the Great Commission cause here in Houston through Jews for Jesus and has visited with us, and we are so grateful to have her with us tonight. So Jews for Jesus, real solid. Next one, www.ariel.org. Um, tremendous information, resource, literature, all these things. You know, how do you explain the Holocaust to Jews? Uh, my Jewish friend objects to the Trinity. I mean, all kinds of tracts and testimonies and resources, how to witness to a Jewish person, all kinds of resources. Ariel is headed up by a guy named Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum. He's a theological genius. He's a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary, got his PhD at NYU, uh, how do I know him? He baptized my parents in a swimming pool in New York several years ago. So I have personal connections with these people or I wouldn't do this. Uh, we have a responsibility not to lead you astray. I can vouch for these organizations. You'll get more information from that website, any of these, but Ariel, he has a question and answer thing, all kinds of stuff on those websites. So here's my point, yes. Show love, but don't stop just with acts of charity. Then you leave that person with a good taste in their mouth for you, but they still don't have a taste for Jesus. You see? That's not what we're about. We're not a social service agency. We're a great commission society. So give the Jewish people, if you want to bless them, their Messiah, by telling them, by showing them, by loving them. And I close with this. Pray for them.
Pray for them. In the time of David HaMelech, David, our king, Jewish people were instructed to go up to Jerusalem about three times a year, pilgrim feasts of Israel. And as they did from all places, as they went up to Jerusalem, they would sing, kind of makes the journey more pleasant and fast. They would sing a certain category of psalms known as the Songs of Ascent, one of which uh, is Psalm 122, verse 6, and I know you're familiar with this. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, do you happen to know what the Hebrew word for peace is? Yeah, 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 shalom. You may not know, however, that that word occurs two times in that verse. Not just is it the uh, Hebrew equivalent for the word peace, but a form of the word shalom is also contained in the word Jerusalem. The psalmist, the songwriter, David, who wrote this, is using a play on words. And you know what he's saying? Pray for the shalom of the city of shalom. How could he say something like that? There's never been peace in Jerusalem. There isn't even today. It's been conflict through the millennia. That's the point. Shalom does not mean the absence of conflict. Shalom does not mean political or military peace. No, 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 no. That's not what David is talking about. The word shalom means well-being, harmony, rest, not through a support group or a self-help book. From God. As a gift from God. David says, if you love the Jews, pray that there be peace. Not just, not just political, not just military, but a kind of a harmony. Pray that the Jews have harmony with one another. Pray that there be harmony between the Jews and their Arab neighbors. Pray especially that there be harmony with the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Pray that there be peace. We're not talking about political peace only. Oh, no, it's a spiritual endeavor that we are incapable of achieving. It has to be given by God. So David says, pray it into existence. Pray for the shalom that Jewish people do not have Jesus. The king of kings, Jesus, the Jews, Jews, stood on the Mount of Olives looking into Jerusalem. You know this. And he cried. Some people arrogantly want to persecute my people in the name of Christ when Christ wept for them. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, city of peace, you who killed the prophets. How often I wanted to gather your children together just as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing and Jesus wept. He said, if you had known in this day the things which make for peace, ah, said he, but now they are hidden from your eyes. When we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we say, oh God, open their eyes again so that they can behold you, so that they can see you high and lifted up, so that they can say, forgive me, Lord Jesus, 
come into my life. Make me new. Let me be the Hebrew, the praiser of God you created me to be, and I have not been. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Would you mind if, if we did that now as, as a way of closing? Lord Jesus, we love you. Therefore, we're intent on loving those whom you love. Who do you love? <laughs> for God so loved the world, Jewish world, Gentile world. And so we want to be people who offer living proof of a loving God like you. So, our, our God, our heartfelt prayer is that as you saved us freely, wonderfully, marvelously, undeservedly, so too you would save Israel. So, oh God, we pray you would send more ambassadors of yours, not representing America, representing you representing the gospel of peace. And, oh, God, we pray the gospel would be go, able to go forth in the land of Israel and amongst Jews dispersed throughout the world. If, Lord Jesus, their transgression has meant blessing to Gentile people, how much more will there be blessing when they're saved? So, oh, God, we pray that the gospel might go forth with power to Jewish people here, there, and everywhere as loving Gentile believers come alongside and arouse them to zeal and fervor and that they may be inflamed with envy to know the peace which comes from you, the Prince of Peace. Lord Jesus, thank you for our convention and thank you for our church. We're simple in many ways and we want to remain that way. We believe the gospel is your power for salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We think you're the only way and we're not looking for an alternative. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for rescuing us. Thank you for saving us. And now make us to be instruments, vehicles of the gospel of peace to all people groups, including the Jews. Thank you for coming, great Jewish Messiah, Lord Jesus. We look forward to your second coming. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. And now our pastor is coming.